Hey, y'all. Welcome to the People Purpose Podcast, the show that explores the ins and outs, challenges and opportunities HR, people managers, and all people face at work. Every day, I am joined with my lovely colleague and workplace bestie, Julie Devlin. Hi, Jules. Hi, Charles. <laughs> no. Sorry. No. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, I, yeah, and we move on. <laughs> no, you're you're in trouble. Hi, Chaz. It's, it's great. It's great to once again be here with you uh, doing uh, another, another podcast. Um, the feeling and, was mutual until you 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 gave the formal name. I just you know, yeah, it's not setting a good precedent. Hey, Jules, tell me something good. <laughs> uh, yes. So this past weekend, I was actually home um, in Maryland, and I was able to go to the driving range. Yeah. And but but I I wish so the good is that I was home and able to go to the driving range and and the bad is that I still stink at golf. Um but, but it's the first time this year, right? Well, y- yes. You got to lower it, your expectations. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. I don't know. I feel like um I feel like I should get be getting better at golf and I'm just not. Well, I you know, it, it takes a lot of time, Jules. I mean, I've only been playing golf six years, seven years, yeah. and it ebbs and flows, right? It's like the more time you put into it, the better you'll be. And I don't know how much golf you're playing on the road, but I can tell you no. I'm not playing much. So no, I'm not playing any golf, but here's the other thing. I I think I might have talked in a previous episode about the driver that I, I got fitted for, and the driver, okay. driver was great, and I loved it. And when I was getting fitted, I did awesome with it. And then... And then- <laughs> and then I actually got it and I can't hit, hit it for, for anything. So I was like, you know what, this time around, I'm going to bring my old driver. And of course, you know, the less expensive driver, um, I did much better with that driver. So golf is very quirky. Um, and as is the workplace. Yeah. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> you tell me something good. You tell me oh, something. Oh man. You know what, Jules? It's so funny that this episode, what we're going to talk about is, is so on point, but for me, um, something good is we're just, we're having a good time watching my son grow up right now and become just this little human being. He's no longer a kid, right? Well, he's a kid, but he's no longer, you know, a, a toddler or now in, in he's a little boy and he's growing up and it's been really fun to watch him grow. So for anybody who's been around kids or has raised their kids, you know, somebody asked me the other day, Hey, what's been your favorite phase as a, as a parent? And I said, every phase. Every phase has been just incredible. And I will tell you, Julie, the world would be a lot better if if they had to raise uh, some some sort of person or animal or whatever, because it teaches you so many lessons and mm-hmm. patience that I'm just like, man, I today I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. I, I wrote in my gratitude journal this morning. I was thankful for my son's kind heart. So uh, oh. but he's he's growing. Anyways, that's not why we're here. Julie. What's the business time of the day? Well, I, I'll tell you that, but I will also say I completely understand. And while I don't have kids myself, I do have nieces and a nephew. And my nephew this past weekend got the sportsmanship award in his baseball. And he's, he's like the best. That's so cool. But I think that that is way more impactful yeah. um, than, than any kind of, you know, 
accolade, other accolade. But anyway, um, all right. You're so, Aunt Juju in this house. Like you're the adopted Aunt Juju in this house. Carter yeah. still uses his tennis racket with the balloons in the in the front, man. He's he's just, it's so funny. But anytime he walks into my office, I want to talk to Aunt Juju because that's all he sees us interacting is, is over teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a great kid. Um, oh, man. So um, anyway, um, all right. Business out of the day. So uh, according to our friends at Accenture, Chaz, in 2022, they did a study and they found that only 26% of CEOs have a future-ready strategy that's holistically focused on changing how, why, and where we work. Okay. Um, that's a very small number. Um, okay, so study. I'm not surprised, right? So first off, Accenture is a great partner of ours here at UKG, and they do a lot of great work. What I will say about this and I didn't read the study, Julie, so you may have to give me some more background on who was surveyed and company, and maybe you don't have that. But the reality of it is, this does not surprise me. Number one, businesses um, you know, typically in the United States have a hard time adopting to new things, and we're resistant to change for a multitude of ways. And we kind of, sometimes we have a tendency to sit back and wait for the other person or the other company or whoever to do things first. And then the next company comes along and they make it better. Right. And they figure it out and they, Hey, what did you do different? Hey, what did you do different? Right. Um, but if you think about the holistic piece of this on the why, how, and where, I think genuinely, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, is people don't have a full understanding around the future of technology and how it's going to shape and change businesses. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it's that. Um, but I also think it's what we're going to talk about today, right? Okay. Um, I, think, I think some of some of what the way I can answer my thoughts on this is based on what our topic is today. And mm -hmm. our topic today is um, present futurism. Okay. Uh, yeah. And we're going to talk about present futurism and how that affects the workplace. And we'll talk about mm. it as, as a whole. So, right. so when we talk about futurism itself, Chaz, um, I guess this is a good way to go into it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, futurism was an artistic and social movement. <laughs> um, and it was actually emerged in Italy back in the 20th century. So it was founded by this Italian poet named Filippo uh, Tommaso Marinetti. It sounds just like a, like a, you know, an Italian name, right? Right. In, in 1909. And Marinetti, um, uh, he basically outlined this, he published this thing called the Futurist Manifesto. And it was in a French newspaper. And this manifesto, it outlined the principles and objectives of the Futurist movement. And mm -hmm. his movement aimed to reject traditional values and embrace the advancements and energy of modern industrial society. That's so, awful. It is. And that's where, that's where all this started. And I'm not going to pretend like I didn't read that because I did. Um, I'm certainly not an expert on, on futurism. Right. But right. when we talk about futurism, a lot of us think of it in that way um, mm -hmm. about like art and literature and music and architecture, et cetera. But really, um, what we're talking about it is in terms of business. And mm -hmm. when we talk about what futurism is and present futurism, present futurism, Chaz. Um, okay. It's it, it's it's a mindset. It's an approach mm -hmm. where we focus 
not on just understanding and preparing for the future, but we focus on doing that in the present moment. So when we talk about things like emerging trends and we talk about um, technology, we, you know, and how that's going to shape future outcomes, what we what we do with this concept of present futurism is is look to sort of bridge a gap between <laughs> between the present day and and the future by embracing change. And I know that's near and dear to your heart, right? That's right. That's um, right. <laughs> so when we talk about present futurism in HR, we're talking about it uh, through HR practices, through HR strategies, and we're talking about the future of work where mm-hmm. the future of work, it's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. It's constantly, we're constantly having to adapt to the changes in business. We're constantly having to cha- adapt to changes in employee expectations. So mm-hmm. I think that by taking this approach, we can be a little bit better prepared for what okay. whatever disruption comes in the future. Now, I want to put this in one more sort of hopefully easily digestible example as to what present futurism is. Okay. So if we think about like a big box store, big box home goods store, um, and we think about when there's something like a tornado or a hurricane, let's say a hurricane forecast. Okay. That, that big box store will watch that forecast for weeks in advance. Sure. And they will track the storm and track the storm and track the storm. And then all of a sudden, when that storm gets, it's pretty certain as to what's Mm going to happen. They send all the supplies to whatever location is going to be affected the most, whatever the forecast shows. So, so that's one way to look at it because then, so they're present futurism. They're staying in the present, looking at what's looking at the trends, looking at Mm -hmm. what's going to happen, sending the supplies to where they need to be. And then once the event happens, they're then prepared. Mm-hmm. So how do we take that approach in business is the question. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting perspective. And I, when you started talking about art, I thought about, so I, I took a fine arts class in college, Julie. Um, oh. And, you know, if you think about Warhol, he was ahead of his time, right? That's what they say is he was ahead of his time. But I like, I like the, the weather example. And, and so often we get caught up in proactive versus reactive, right? Or are you being proactive or are you being reactive? And this is what you just described, a delicate balance of both. Because if we don't track towards the future, we're going to have a hard time being reactive when a problem's already occurred. Case in point, the example you just provided. So I think, you know, if we think about what are some areas of work where we can be present futurists, um, you know, the first one is we've got to embrace that technology piece. And I know I mentioned that before. Yes, we work for a tech company. That's okay. However, I will tell you that when it comes to not only HR professionals, payroll professionals, operations, we owe it to ourselves to understand the technological advancements and explore how they can be overlaid or integrated as a part of our processes, right? So the the reality of it is technology, and I love the quote that you've always used, is the technology is going to do the job as long as you're willing to put the time in to make the technology work, right? And, And that's a really critical piece. AI, machine learning, which we'll talk more about that in a little bit, is going to continue to evolve. But our end goal is how do we automate processes, take a look at data analytics that can revolutionize in a lot of ways, recruitment, performance management, employee engagement, learning and development. All of these things work together with 
and through the tech. We as people work with the tech and we execute through the tech, right? And, and I know UKG does a phenomenal job in a lot of these areas, all of these areas. So I do want to focus on the AI piece for just a second. Um, it's been in the news a lot, Julie. Have you seen the news? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the reels and the memes and, yeah, and all. But it's interesting because AI has always been there. It's just now. So this is this is one way that folks may be feeling the effect of not being present future. That's right. If you feel in your organization like you're behind with technology, if you feel like you're behind with AI or adopting AI into your, your HR tech stack or adopting mm-hmm. AI into your tech stack altogether or having a tech stack altogether, right? That's right. I mean, this is one way that you may feel like you were not prepared for this onslaught because mm-hmm. AI has been there for many, 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 many years. Right. It's just now becoming the it conversation uh, based right. on the things that are in the news. And I know UKG just announced a partnership with Google. Google, yeah. Um, yeah, to, to implement um, or to incorporate AI, uh, Google analytic products into our products, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Don't quote me on that. There's lots of things written about it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like, but for, for at, the, at the smaller level, you know, at, at organizational level, if you feel like you're behind, I think now is a great time to take stat, uh, stock of how AI can, can be best utilized in your organization. Um, how can you use it in your business? How can you determine, or you need to start to determine the impact that it's going to have on your business and your people. And I'm not talking about from a negative way. I'm talking about from a positive way. When we think about productivity, for example, there's going to be so much more productivity based on being able to get answers a lot faster. Right. So it's taking that first step and mm-hmm. understanding how it's going to affect your particular business that's mm-hmm. going to make a difference. This goes back to the example I used earlier about sometimes we have a tendency to delay and wait until other companies do it before we lean into it. Mm-hmm. And and this is where I really struggle with this because, you know, again, it, we need to do our due diligence as HR, payroll, operations, any sort of leader to fully understand what the the tech landscape is. And that goes beyond your HCM tech. That goes about, you know, within tech, within your industry, within your company, whatever it is that you're using that can simplify things for you. But I I really think where companies are going to fall behind is not leaning into this gen AI thing early because it will create a significant competitive advantage for those that do and are taking the time to understand it versus, well, let's see what these other companies do and see, you know, if there's going to be another AI tool that's going to come out and be better at that point, you know, the company that leaned into the, to the generative AI, the next better product of gen AI comes out, what do you think they're going to do? They're just going to go buy that because they've already created the margin and understand how it works to begin with. Yeah. So it's, it's different. It's a different game. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, what it boils down to is adapting to changing workforce dynamics. There are so so many changing workforce dynamics that happen on, on small levels, large levels, employee levels, C-suite levels, et cetera. You know, I think about, when I think about adapting to changing dynamics, I think about the Workforce Institute and uh, mega, the megatrends for 2023 and our second megatrend, shout out Karina uh, Monison. Um, and I think about the 
optimizing organizational plasticity, right? Which is a fancy way of saying we need to be prepared for the future and agile in the, in the face of disruption. Well, when we talk about present futurism, present futurism, it, it looks at the evolving nature of the workforce and it, it looks at the trends. Yeah, it looks yeah, it looks at the trends in in the gig economy. It looks at the different flexible working arrangements and other working arrangements, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks at how um, really how HR professionals. What we need to do is understand these things and mm-hmm. determine how we're going to utilize them to to not only attract and retain, but also to engage our workforce mm-hmm. and. You know, the world is rapidly changing and, you know, things like upskilling and reskilling. We've talked about that on other podcasts and how crucial they are for both employees and the HR professional themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So really present futurism, it's this mentality where we take that we we really encourage this this lifelong learning at organizations and say, okay, we know what we don't know, but we can forecast out what we think is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And and that's, you know, that's going to be a way for organizations to get ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're wrong, okay, but at least you've prepared. And that's the point. Yeah, I I really appreciate the lifelong learning piece here. And and we've said this before. I've said it on stage. You've said it on stage that we are, as a society and human beings, um, consistently curious. We're consistently curious. And really, that's just another way of saying we want to learn new things, whatever that new thing may be. And what I respect is when we were at the um, S&D Summit with with Chris Todd, our CEO, uh, I was chatting with him at the back and and he came back and we you know, we're just discussing kind of the economy. And I said, you know, Chris, I said, what's so impressive by you is that you see the landscape in its entirety. And more importantly, you also study the economy. Mm -hmm. So if you understand how tech is making a difference, you also can understand how the economy is going to be impacted and vice versa, right? So it's this constant desire of, I need to understand what the future may hold. So then we can pivot as an organization to make sure that we're doing best by both our people and our customers. And, And that's where as we as we lean into to AI or present futurism, if you will, or whatever it is, we as individuals to to make ourselves more relevant and reputable, we need to go learn new skills that are going to impact our personal and professional well being. Bottom line, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I think I think beyond this too is this is where if we can start looking at present futurism on on really future proofing some of our you know HR strategies and business strategies. Yeah, yeah. So it's about intentionality because when yeah. we when we say future proofing our strategies, you know, when we work hard to put a strategy into place, we don't want to have to continuously change completely that strategy. We mm-hmm. want to be able to adapt to the changes, but we want to make sure that that strategy is agile. Mm -hmm. I I can't disagree with you at all on this. This is where kind of going back to our training and development episode, and I don't even remember what we called it. It was over a year ago. One of my big things when I'm working with companies and, and stakeholders and whatever is we have not learned how to review information and make decisions on it. We just solely rely upon maybe intuition or gut or past experience. And I really struggle with that because when people start using the term strategy, it's often overused, in my opinion. 
if you want a good strategy, you've got to learn the skill sets and kind of the parameters of what your business is doing. You've said it before, you know, if you want to expand being a good HR leader, you need to go learn finance language. You need to go learn, you know, payroll language. You need to go learn the language of your people and your employees, right? And that's where I think we've met, we've had a misstep as we don't go back and we think about, okay, what's this data telling us? And if you don't know, maybe you should go take a data course. You know, there are things like people analytics to really gain insights into what your workforce is trending to do, those talent needs. Honestly, Julie, it can even create your own key performance indicators. Mm-hmm. And yet we sit in conference rooms and we say, well, so-and-so does this really well. Well, do we really want to make that a key performance indicator when everybody else doesn't do it well? Yeah, maybe we should, right? So the idea of making evidence-based decisions to align that strategy with organizational goals mm-hmm. is really the criticality of what every company is trying to accomplish, but we don't use the intentionality or the data and and kind of find that equilibrium for both. I can tell you want to say something. <laughs> I always want to say something, you know, it goes, it, the, the, the whole concept here to sort of simplify it a little more is that it goes beyond reactive decision-making yes. and, really, and really focuses on more proactive planning. So yeah. It's it's that intentional piece, and it's about making informed decisions based on data, and it's mm. about making informed decisions and implementing strategies that are going to align with the future needs of the organization, of which mm. none of us have a crystal ball, right? But we have the tools today to get as close as we can to a crystal ball by utilizing data and, um, you know, looking at data points, and not just looking at data points on a singular basis, but when we pair data points together. Yes. That's mm-hmm. when that story really becomes impactful. You and I, Chaz, just did a presentation at the uh, S&D Summit um, or, or no. Retail at, Summit. Yeah, retail, it was Retail sorry. Summit. Sorry. Ooh, we're, we're all over the place. Yeah. Um, at the Retail Summit in, in Nashville. A shout out to our retail customers, by the way. Oh, man. Thank and you all for of being our there. customers. Yes. Um, on data. And we talked about how uh, you can utilize your data to tell a story in your organization. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the story that your data tells can help you to prepare for the future. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just thinking about some of the the information and maybe we can give a little comparison. I'm pulling it up right now, but the data that the story tells as I, you know, pull this up, one of the things that we talked about is how turnover rate and average earnings actually can share quite a bit information on increased overtime, turnover costs, pay gap inequities, and turnover timeframes, right? So it, it goes beyond just, hey, what's your turnover rate? Well, if you take a look at that employee who has a higher average income earning in their hourly, there's a good chance that there's overtime. And yet that person who's been working overtime for the last three months decides to leave. Well, that just impacted your turnover rate, right? Right. Or- so, yeah. Or if you take the perspective of looking at turnover rate on its own, you get your turnover rate. But if you look at turnover rate compared to who their manager is, that's right. You also see opportunities for upskilling, reskilling, training and development, and maybe some organizational changes. Yeah. I think what, you know, we're, we're just describing kind of this regular scenario planning, if you will, and doing risk assessments to to identify some of those challenges, right? Yeah. What I like that you said earlier, and you didn't really say it was there's a contingency plan in place. And if you have multiple 
data points that you're looking at and kind of doing the, if you remember this, you remember in Microsoft Excel, it's like the if then statement or in your math class, which math class was it? If this happens, maybe it was physics. I don't know. Math bad, bad at math, right? So, bad at math, real bad. so that's, that's what it is, right? It's kind of sitting down and saying, if then, but you're doing it based on data. And I think one of the key components of conducting these types of assessments is you're going to have a response plan for any disruption. And maybe not all of them, but the vast majority of them. And, and what I, going beyond just the risk assessment is how do we communicate this um, change or communicate these instances to employees so we can get them on board before we make the changes is really the most important piece, in my opinion. And let's not kid ourselves that there aren't going to be way more disruptions. There's always going to be disruptions. And yeah. at this point, we only have ourselves to blame if we don't prepare for them today, That's because right. we know that disrupt the disruption of the highest kind happened <laughs> um, and work has changed completely and mm. expectations have changed. And, you know, the, the only thing that, that is a constant is just that it's changed. Right. So, to be prepared to be agile um, in the face of uh, of disruption is is definitely um, advantageous for organizations, forward thinking organizations, um, yeah. and and you know being proactive rather than uh, rather than reactive. So sure. Hey, Jules, what did you find your purpose in today? Yeah, I mean this this present futurism. It, it's going to vary for each organization as to what are the, some of the steps that you should take to implement this these strategies. But I think that when we look at becoming an employer of choice and when we look at being an industry leader, it, no matter what field that you're in, we need to be the ones not, not uh, reacting. We have to be the ones sort of showing others how to react. We have mm -hmm. to be the ones showing others this is the way to go. This is the path to take and yeah. this is the path to take but but the thing is, by doing that, you're already going to be ahead in your organization and you're going to have a step ahead of your competition. So, yeah, I love that. I think I think I'm going to use that as well. Showing others how to react mm -hmm. is is one of the probably the most important piece if you ever want to become a great place to work. Right. And, and if you don't know anything about them, go check them out. They're phenomenal uh, in the work that they do. But the the reality of it is people wait for leaders um, or people leaders to respond. And that determines a significant piece of how they're going to react. So if we can hone in on this present futurism skill, for a lack of a better term, that's going to give us a really good awareness, both internally and externally on how we should react. Mm -hmm. And therefore, employees are less likely to, I don't want to, use, you know, for lack of a better term, riot. You know what I mean? That's... <laughs> Yeah, and I and I want to make sure that I'm clear. This doesn't replace short-term thinking. It doesn't replace right. short-term strategy. It mm -hmm. just doubles down on it and takes it to another level where that short-term strategy then becomes okay. How can we utilize this in the long term as well? Mm -hmm. So yeah, awesome. we were pretty deep today on today's show. I mean, take us home, Jules. Take yeah. us home. <laughs> yeah, a few reminders before we leave. Don't forget to like, subscribe, use the hashtag People for His Pod on social media sites um, like LinkedIn, Twitter. Be sure to check out the latest blogs and research from the Workforce Institute at UKG um, by visiting workforceinstitute.org. Um, and yeah, thank you all so much. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for listening, y'all. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Bye.